The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Podcast. I'm Clay Link here with Rotowire.com's lead prospect analyst James Anderson. Great to be talking with you today, James. On the day when pitchers and catchers report, it's uh, pretty exciting. Today we're going to be taking a spin around the AL East, looking at the farm systems. Uh, There's some sleepers in each system, some bets for 2021, etc. Uh, some news catching my eye though today, today, James. As players report, we can touch on that momentarily. But first, uh, what's new with you, man? Uh, just posted a big article uh, about the Dynasty Rankings update that went up uh, last week and touched on uh, just some handful of players that I found to be tough ranks or just guys I'm higher on than most or lower on than most. And then uh, also hit on um, the end of the Roadwire Dynasty Invitational in that article and uh, – broke down a a startup draft that i completed recently as well so should be a lot of good dynasty stuff in that one 
That's great. I enjoyed talking Dynasty last week as we reviewed your new top 400 rankings. And then next week we're going to have Ian Kahn on, right, to uh, discuss the differences between your different sets of Dynasty ranks. So that should be a lot of yes. fun. Looking forward to that. Um, yeah, man, great stuff. Looking forward to it, James. Some of those news items that caught my eye that I just wanted to run past you that I mentioned earlier. Sean Murphy, who I think we both kind of liked in terms of drafts. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Um, but recovering from a collapsed lung and off-season surgery to address that collapsed lung won't be in attendance for the start of workouts. Uh, Bob Melvin still expects him to be ready to go for opening day, but does that scare you off on Sean Murphy a little bit? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I guess a little bit. Um, just probably not someone I'm going to take at ADP until we learn more, but, um, you know, I'm not completely out on them or anything like that. TJ Antone battling for a rotation spot. I thought that was likely, but you know, he's also been mentioned in the closer conversation. So there are a few different paths for, for TJ Antone that I like. And you've been big on, uh, Craig Kimbrell. He was officially named the, the, uh, closer. So again, I have a little, you know, certainty and comfort in that. And then Lucas Sims, MRI returning clean. Uh, that's really good to see. Elbow MRI revealed nothing in that elbow, so hopefully he will be uh, catching up in a hurry, not too far behind. James, you mentioned the uh, the end of the Rotowire Dynasty Invitational, and we talked about that last week on the XM show because I think on Friday you had just made the decision, or maybe it was Saturday. I know that was a hard one for you to make because you felt like you were maybe letting some people down. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just, uh, you know, you don't ever want to have to fold a league, um, especially when it's weighing on you you a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's not weighing on me anymore. Um, (laughs) but (laughs) it's good, man. You didn't need to have that hanging over you. That's a ton of work. You had a tweet a few weeks ago about just the thankless job that is commissioning. Now they're the true unsung heroes of this game. And uh, you, you did it for several years, man. And I appreciate it. It was I fun. It's, it's, a, it's a young man's game. I mean, I, I think. <laughs> commissioning um, is? Yeah. I mean, I think I, yeah, like I, I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking like, you know, commissioner should almost be kind of like a public office type thing where like every <laughs> every four years it turns over. Uh, Somebody else has like to that. take it. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't... It should be like jury know, duty. I don't have the fire anymore to, um, you know, it's it's easy to commission like a, a redraft league or something like that, um, but it's it's just a big pain to commission dynasty and keeper leagues, and uh, it, it's not that hard if, if it's a good, strong league and everyone is very active and everything, but... Um, you know, if you're replacing, if you're constantly replacing owners and you're constantly um, just having to do a lot of manual stuff with the keepers and, and all that stuff, it, it can just kind of grow to be something that you don't look forward to. And then you kind of end up um, just sort of resenting the, the fact that you have to do it. And, and <laughs> resenting you your league down. mates. Yeah, no, I hear that. Um, I tried with Staff Keeper 3 and I couldn't do it, man. So I... I'm right there with you, especially when the enthusiasm for the league isn't there for every owner in the league, and it's just kind of 
you know, it's hard to keep those alive. And that's why when you do a dynasty startup from the, the beginning, it's hard to know how long the league is going to be around realistically. And um, that's just the way it is because it is such a, it's a work, uh, a time intensive, I guess, job to do with no you know, financial I, compensation. And I, and I think the, the main takeaway that I had was that it's really tough to keep a good uh, bragging rights league going. Um, yeah. I mean, one of the big misnomers out there, I think is that like quote unquote expert leagues are like the cream of the crop. Um, I mean, they're not at all. I mean, I think we saw that in last night's labor results. Um, you're just, you're dealing with a different beast when nobody has to put put forth any money to be in the league um, versus when you have a hundred dollars, $200, $300 down, like you're going to yeah. uh, obviously just put a lot more effort and a lot more work and it's going to weed out sort of the, the novices from sort of being in, in the mix. Um, but when you do it and it's just kind of for bragging rights, especially in like a dynasty league, once, uh, you know, once a team is kind of bottomed out and is sort of in the basement and doesn't really have any signs of life, it's tough for that manager to really want to see it through and put put forth the amount of time and effort it takes to, to do a rebuild uh, when there's, there's no, no real, real skin in the game. Yeah. yeah, there's no real payoff. That's so true. Well, our RIP to RDI. Thanks again, James, for, for all the work you did do. Congrats to the champions. Bloomfield, Ryan Bloomfield for the first two, and then Brett Sayer, right? So congrats to those guys, and yeah, I, I totally understand. Again, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I only commission one league now, and I think I'm you know, moving mostly to the NFBC so they can do all the commissioning uh, for me. James, let's get into the AL East by division or by team, rather. We're going to go around, check out the top five prospects on each team, and talk about some sleepers in each organization and some best bets for 2021. Um, let's look at the Orioles to start. The only team projected for a 0% chance um, to make the playoffs. Was that Pakoda? I think, uh, or Fangraphs. Fan, Fangraphs. Oh, yeah, Fangraphs. Uh, tough one to swallow, but I still think there may be expended playoffs. Probably not a good chance to make it, even if there are expanded playoffs. But Adley Rutschman, number one prospect in this organization. No real surprise there. Grayson Rodriguez behind him. Ryan Mountcastle still uh, prospect eligible. DL Hall, Heston Kierstead, who was their first pick uh, in last year's draft, right? Was it second? Yep, second overall. So uh, yeah, not a you know the, it's the ways off, but there are some some glimmers of light here for for O's fans. Is there anybody beyond? that top five, maybe even outside your top 100 overall prospects, you can get a little excited about and talk yourself into. Yeah. So I would say that Gunnar Henderson is kind of the clear number six guy. He is outside my top 100. Uh, but I, I think he's inside. I think prospects live has him inside their top 100. So, um, you know, kind of a borderline top 100 guy was, you know, kept his head above water in his pro debut, but uh, apparently just was was great at the alt side and then instructs. We don't, I don't have any statistical data to back that up, and he was going up against you know a lot of mediocre competition, seeing a lot of the same guys over and over again. 
so I, I'm really excited to see what he does in his full season debut. Uh, he's a, a shortstop, but kind of a four category shortstop, not going to be much of a runner. So you're just sort of hoping that he, he hits a ton. And, and I think that that's in play. And with DL Hall, he's a name that really isn't on the redraft radar, even though he's has, you know, spent a little time at, at high A in 2019 and, uh, you know, has pitched pretty well. I know you were kind of getting excited about him a couple years ago. It, no real chance we see him. There's just no reason to start that clock, I imagine. Oh, I, you know, I think we could see DL Hall and Grayson Rodriguez. Hmm. I just don't think it'll be super early. Um, and I, you know, I'm not I, on the I stash and radar. I think it's going to be kind of like a Tariq Scooble, Casey Mize thing where, you know, middle of the year or something like that, they, they debut. Um, I, I think you could think about those guys in a draft and hold it, even in a 50 round draft and hold, there's so many players you're kind of considering with those final 10 to 15 picks. Um, uh, stashing a pitcher who may or may not debut is is dicey for sure but those guys have, have pretty ridiculous stuff uh deal hall i mean they both have really high ceilings i think deal hall might even have the higher ceiling of, of those two uh but he also just throwing strikes has been a big issue for him so really needs to improve his uh command and control but yeah i mean i, I don't i i think we probably see like the Orioles could debut like a dozen prospects this year. Uh, I don't think that that would be uh, all that big of a surprise. They obviously don't have a ton of guys in the way at the big league level, and all of their, you know, mo- most of their top prospects are kind of in those middle to upper levels. So, um, I mean, we could see Adley, we could see Grayson Rodriguez, we could see Dio Hall. Uh, won't see Heston Kierstead or Gunnar Henderson this year, but. Um, you know, they have a bunch of kind of lesser uh, heralded guys, you know, Eusneo Diaz, plenty of prospect fatigue there, but like Ryland Bannon, Tyler Nevin, uh, they got another crop of sort of not high-end pitchers, but pitchers nonetheless who are coming up. So there's a ton of guys that are going to debut. I think that those top, uh, those top four guys will have a chance to all play in the majors this year. It's just there's so much uncertainty there that I wouldn't necessarily recommend uh, stashing any of those guys. Yeah, that seems like a long-term stash with a questionable payoff. So, yeah, I'm with you there. Um, yeah, this this team, maybe a lot of fresh faces. The baby birds, not quite as exciting as the baby jays. Uh, but, yeah, the, the Blue J- or the Orioles, you know, starting to show some promise at the big league level. So Gunnar Henderson qualifies as a sleeper in most, uh, most dynasty leagues. Is there a guy – for even deeper leagues that you uh, would recommend keeping an eye on? Yeah. So, I mean, Gunnar Henderson, maybe a sleeper in like your shallow leagues. Uh, and it, and the word sleeper, it doesn't even really apply to any of the guys we're going to talk about because everyone sort of knows these guys, but um, maybe just guys who I think might be undervalued in, in some leagues. Uh, and in terms of just deep leagues, like the type of leagues I play in, um, Michael Hernandez is the best international position player that the O's have signed uh, probably since I've been doing this uh, off the top of my head. I, I think. Is it the only one? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's a bad no. joke. Sorry. Um, 
but he is the best. And they, they spent, it took them, you know, when, when you basically go from not having an international program to trying to establish one, it takes, takes you know, three, four, three, four years to get that running. Um, and so this is kind of the first class where they actually have a, uh, big name, uh, position player that they've had some exciting position or pitchers signed, but, um, Hernandez is kind of your big bodied shortstop, not gonna, not gonna do a ton with his legs either. Um, but has big time power potential. So, uh, that's a guy to keep an eye on when he debuts this summer, hopefully. Let's move on to the Boston Red Sox organization here. Jeter Downs, the top prospect in the system, according to your uh, organizational ranks here, James. Uh, We talked a little bit about Jeter Downs on the XM show, but with the addition of Kike Hernandez, Marwin Gonzalez, I don't know how how often he's going to play, but you're pretty convinced, and you made a point that some people in that organization felt he was ready even back in 2019, right? Well, 2020. Oh, okay, 2020. But, uh, I mean, I just, I don't think you, I mean, if, if those guys you listed are blocking Jeter Downs, then he shouldn't be ranked in my top 50. Um, so it's just, he's going to get a chance whenever they think he's ready. Um, there's just, there's a lot of moving pieces there in Boston. You, you kind of know the, the two or three guys who are locked in and then everyone else is kind of are you performing? If not, then you're not locked in. And, uh, downs can fortunately play all over the place. So, uh, I think it would be a bad idea developmentally to just keep him down like indefinitely. Mm -hmm. I mean, you gotta, you gotta get him at this point. He's pretty much big league ready. So you gotta get him reps at some point. And, uh, you know, I don't even, I, I was listening to, um, uh, Ralph Lifshitz was on Chris Welsh's pod the other day. I'd recommend people check that out. Um, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even rule out Tristan Casas debuting this year. Um, he was a standout at the alt site, and you know he probably doesn't come up because they they probably do want to give Bobby Dahlbeck as fair a shot as they can uh, early in the year. But if you know, I think Dahlbeck could easily just sort of not make enough contact and. If you know, if, if Casas is is really crushing it in the upper levels, I, I wouldn't rule out him debuting either. Do you have similar concerns with Casas in terms of the hit tool? Because you know, most of 2019 at the at low A hit just 254, 116 Ks, did draw a lot of walks. But uh, do you see that being you know hitting for average being a bit of a, a struggle for Casas? I mean, I think he's probably better in OBP leagues than batting average leagues, but I don't think he's like he's not a Bobby Dahlbeck type of guy. Like I, I think he's gonna do enough. Um, you know, we'll see whether it's it's it could be more like Matt Olson that type of thing. But I could see him hitting like two fifty, two sixty. Uh, I mean, he's he's just he's a big boy. I mean, he's got long levers, so I think there's going to be some swing and miss there, but. Um, you know, I think he's, he's really outperformed my expectations for him, uh, when he was coming out, uh, in the 2018 draft. Nice. So Tristan Casas, number two in this Red Sox organization, number 28 on James's overall prospect list. And behind him in this organization, Gilberto Jimenez, uh, not much of a track record here, still a youngster, 
only 59 games at rookie ball. What's the upside like with this kid? Is it, is it sky high or is it, uh, you know, is this ranking, you know, maybe misleading in terms of what the, the ceiling is? Just a little bit. Uh, the, the comp I had for him in my outlook is kind of a like a switch hitting Lorenzo Kane, which pretty is nice. a heck of a player. I yeah. mean, that's, you know, I, I think we're not trying to be MLB pipeline here and throw out the most absurd comps imaginable, but Lorenzo Kane, you know, the, the best version of Lorenzo Kane was a OF2 in 15 team Roto League. So, I mean, I think Jimenez could could do that. I don't. I don't think he has the power projection really to to be like a, a star, but I think he could be a, a leadoff hitter who hits for hits for average and steals thirty bases. Nice. And then Tanner Houck, I know you kind of like him for this season, right? Um, what did you see from him in his debut? Well, they just keep adding pitchers, so I you know I don't know exactly where he starts the year. Um, you know, maybe if he just really impresses in the spring, he's in the the rotation. Um, he'll get a chance eventually. I mean, they don't; they still don't have a ton of depth. I mean, they've just got more quantity than quality, really. And and a lot of the guys ahead of him are well known for getting injured. So, uh, I I do still like him, but I think of you know maybe more of like a final pick or one of my final five picks or so of like a fifteen team league. Uh, but I just think that the the slider uh, could be just a, a carrying pitch for him. Um, we've seen guys, you know, I, I don't think it's quite the nail in the coffin to not have that change up uh, that it that it used to be sort of considered, um, especially if your breaking ball is is as good as Hauk's is. Uh, I know that they are going to try to get the splitter to a point where it's uh, a useful pitch for him, but. Uh, I mean, he was dominant against three pretty good lineups, two, at least two very good lineups in his three starts last year. And the you know the slider, I mean, the book will get out eventually on him, but uh, I think that slider is good enough that he could maybe make it work even with uh, not so great uh, third pitch. And then Blaze Jordan, the fifth-ranked prospect in this Red Sox organization for you, James. Uh, outside your top 100, but you like him as a potential sleeper, even though he hasn't played an affiliated ball. You like him to maybe have some some upward potential in this organization. Yeah, I mean, he's just he's the type of guy where if he, you know, if he hits like he's capable of, either this year or next, the hype is just going to really start to build. I mean, a he's in the Red Sox system. I mean, the Red Sox, Yankees, Cubs guys like Padres guys they all just kind of get that bump uh and then you know I mean his first name's Blaze like if if he's (laughs) just if he's a guy that's hitting like 25 bombs in a full season in the minors or something like that I mean the hype's gonna just keep building with him and I can see the tweets now I can see the tweets now I've been uh I've been ending up with him in, in first year player drafts, which I've kind of been surprised by. I mean, I just don't, I thought there'd be a bit more hype. Um, he's also like the youngest guy basically from last year's draft. And so there, I mean, there's definitely a chance that he strikes out too much in his pro debut. I mean, I mean, he could 
strike out like 38% of the time or something like that. I, we just had no idea how ready the hit tool is. Uh, I know that there was a decent amount of swing and miss during instructs, but there he also showed off his power, which is a carrying tool. I mean, he, he might have the most power. Um, I mean, there's a lot of guys with big time power in this system, like Casas and Dahlbeck, but, uh, you know, Blaze Jordan probably has more bat speed than those two. So, I mean, I, I could see him just being, you know, he, he, isn't that dissimilar to me from like Reese Hines, who's just really um, sort up rankings in, in your red system. And if, if Jordan just really hits the ground running this year, I think that the hype's just going to really start to build with him. Blaze Jordan reminds me that uh, the sticky icky, the term I'm using for uh, the sticky substance that, you know, pine tar that most people use, it's catching on James. I had multiple people reach out (laughs) and tell me that it's, it's a hit. Uh, for those who are playing in deep leagues, maybe Boston fans who want somebody homegrown to maybe look as a long-term project. Anybody here that you, uh, you think is a deep, deep league kind of sleeper? I mean, they got, this is a nice system for deep sleepers. Um, guys who are just fun to dream on, but probably won't pan out. Uh, one guy that I, I really liked from this past you know, January 15 was the day they signed, but part of the, the 2020 J2 class essentially was Luis Ravello. Uh, didn't get the same type of bonus or hype that Miguel Blaze got, but uh, Ravello is, you know, he, he's kind of got the type of body that I look for in like a, a young infielder. Um, really quick twitch, really slick in the field, switch hitter. Uh, could be a plus hit tool type of guy, you know, might, might be able to tap into some, some 20 Elmer power or something like that. I mean, he, he's not probably going to add a ton with his legs, but uh, Ravello is a guy that I'm really excited to see how he debuts this year. Nice. Before we move on to the Yankees organization, a quick word from our friends at Auto New. Auto New Fantasy Baseball is the next level fantasy baseball challenge you've been looking for. Experience a year-round dynasty competition with deep rosters, accumulate prospects to lead your team in the future, or move for a superstar at the trade deadline. Keep your baseball mind engaged in the offseason with trades and arbitration. Learn more about why everyone who plays Auto New becomes addicted at autonewbaseball.com. That's O-T-T-O-N-E-U baseball.com. Auto New, better fantasy baseball. James, the Yankees, I mean... The the hype with Jason Dominguez is officially out of hand, uh, and I guess it's it's you know the, the track the train is off the rails. It's going to remain off the rails after it was reported that this kid hit like what one seventeen on on the exit velo. Is that right? Yeah, I'm sure. Oh, I mean, insane. that's not surprising if you've seen video of him. I mean, it, he's got. But that's like uh, major league elite, like right now for a kid who's eighteen or however old he is. Yeah, I mean, Marco Luciano hit one nineteen. So and Vlad, I mean, we saw that with our own eyes, and he was what nineteen at the time, I think. Yeah, I mean, it. You just you can just fall in love with Dominguez's bat speed, and it's he's not only got crazy bat speed, but he's just super yoked. Uh, he's kind of got like the Popeye body where like his, he's not fat or anything. It's just like 
once you get outside of his torso, everything is just gigantic. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, he's like, as soon as he does, like if he just starts his first like 10 days in pro ball and hits like three homers or something, people are going to be treating him like the number one prospect or top five prospect or something like that. So yeah, you're right. I mean, the hype is just ridiculous. Um, yeah, I'm not like into baseball cards anymore. I got into it like probably like seven years ago, randomly. I'm glad I'm I'm uh, out of it on this latest boom. But apparently, the Jason Dominguez cards are like the hottest thing. Well, in the that, world, right? That now. one card is that like his Bowman, like his first Bowman card or whatever. It's a it's a pretty slick looking card. Uh, it's got that sort of staying power of like an Onus Wagner type of card, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I, I get it. I mean, that's part of why I was really aggressive on him when he first signed is just, you just know that Yankees 17 year old phenom with all these tools and all this bat speed, like it's just, it's going to get out of control. So, um, he turned I, there's, 18 there's almost, 10 days ago. There's almost no way he can live up to the hype at this point. But if he does, then it's just people are just going to go crazy. Yeah, like I'd be collecting like Juan Soto, a guy who's <laughs> done it on a big league mound. But, I mean, hey, maybe Jason Dominguez is going to be that good. But it is like hard to put those kind of expectations on a kid. Right behind him, Clark Schmidt in this organization. Austin Wells, number three. Davey Garcia. And then number five, Luis Medina. James, uh, Medina, he kind of liked to maybe be a riser this year? Yeah, he could be a huge riser or a huge faller. He's got such a wide range of outcomes. Um, like, you know, like Josh Stalmont is still like an outcome for him. And that's not a bad piece to have for a big league team. But, uh, you know, just a power reliever with maybe not enough command to close is an outcome, but also ACE is an outcome. Um, I mean, he's got maybe, you know, top five stuff in the minors, maybe like top three stuff in the minors, something like that. Um, it's just a matter of, uh, can he, does he have any idea where it's going and can he locate, can he sequence against upper level hitters? Cause he just doesn't, he doesn't have much experience at all against, um, uh, upper level hitters so you know he could just get really exposed but he's got the stuff to just shoot up the list so uh, another guy where i mean i just can't wait for so many guys to you know just to see what they're what they look like now uh i mean there are going to be guys like even like this system like i can just look down like outside my top 10 like all of a sudden if like alexander vargas or kevin alcantara or or one of these guys shows up and is just mashing, like they could climb like 200 spots in like a couple months or something like that. There's yeah. just going to be so much, there's going to be so much movement because yes. we just don't, we don't know where all these guys talent levels are at mm-hmm. right now. And some of them are just going to be so much better than we, they were last time we saw them. Some of them are going to have regressed and not taking good care of themselves for the year plus that they've been away from the, the, team so i mean it's just it's going to be crazy to just kind of see all the movement that happens in the first couple months yeah we haven't seen a lot of these guys in over a year and 
just don't know how they've developed and how they've matured. It'll be fascinating to see. And, uh, you know, James, in this organization, Davey Garcia has debuted, and he's lost a little bit of his shine, although he was drafted in that uh, labor draft that you alluded to earlier. So he's not completely off the radar. Who do you like more for 2021 between Davey Garcia and Clark Schmidt? Uh, well, definitely Garcia. I mean, I don't think you can really draft Clark Schmidt in a, in a normal league. Um, you could definitely draft him in draft and hold. You could definitely draft him in ale only, but Garcia is the one that has a chance to open the air in the rotation. So, I mean, I'm not going near him at cost, so I'm, de- I'm not going to have any shares of Davey Garcia, but I mean, if you make me choose just for 2021 value, I'll go with the guy who could break camp in the rotation. Very nice. And then sleepers in this organization. Sounds like you like Alexander Viscaino. Uh, what's his skill set look like? Yeah, I, I think uh, maybe talked about him uh, recently somewhere, but uh, honestly, he reminds me of like prospect version of Luis Castillo and prospect version. I mean, that wasn't a top 100 prospect, really. Like, he just was a guy that everyone knew about the velocity and the changeup. And it was just like, does he have the third pitch? And is he going to throw enough strikes? And Vizcaino's uh, a excellent athlete. He's got one of the best changeups in the minors. And he's got a mid-90s fastball. So I think he's well worth uh, rostering in, in pretty much all dynasty formats, and you just kind of see how he looks this year. I mean, he's going to open uh, probably at Double A, and you know, if he if he shoves at Double A for a couple weeks, people are going to really take notice. You and I were playing the stash game with him, unfortunately, in in Maine, I think it was, and we didn't get anything out of him. I think the Yankees management of him tells us all we need to know that they don't view him as quite ready yet uh james one name we haven't mentioned yet for the yankees estevan florial he's down at 14 in your organizational ranks here just that ship has sailed by now i'm guessing well i i mean i don't want to really rank him but um (laughs) he's still got pretty ridiculous tools and he's on the 40 man so I mean, I, if I was 100% out, he wouldn't be on the rankings anymore. But where I have him ranked basically tells you that I'm like 98% out. Nice. And then any other names that uh, deep league players should keep in mind in this Yankees organization? Yeah, I mean, Josh Smith, second baseman, he's just kind of a classic guy that I just fall for and overrate. But, I mean, he, he was amazing in his debut as, as an old player uh, in short season ball. But, I mean, he could get assigned to high double A, and I just think the plate skills are really intriguing. And then uh, Antonio Gomez, who definitely doesn't get the height that Kevin Alcantara and Alexander Vargas get. but And Gomez is a catcher, so I understand if you just don't want anything to do with him in Dynasty. But, um I mean, he's just got crazy tools and and a ton of upside offensively and uh, good defensive tools as well. And he could be one of those guys where he just really just mashes at at some level. You know, maybe it's low A or something, and just really 
catches people by surprise by how much power he's got and his plate skills. So could end up being nothing. I mean, he's, he's still, uh, a, what's he 20, he'll, he'll turn 20 in November. Um, so I mean, he's a 19 year old catching prospect, but I mean, the tools are, are, I mean, he could be like a top two or three catching prospect in a year or two. Nice. Then now this Tampa Bay Rays team, still the top farm system, would you say in baseball? Yeah. Yep. Um, they Anybody had breathing the most, down their neck. Well, they had the most guys in the top 400 update and they might have the most guys in the top 100 or so. I'd, I'd have to check on that or definitely maybe the top 200. I, I don't think anyone's really breathing down their neck right now. Um, it's just unfair. Come on. There's, you know, I think Cleveland, San Francisco, uh, I mean, the Dodgers are still loaded. Uh, I mean, there's teams that are kind of on the, on the come up. Uh, I I think the Cubs are going to have like a top three system in about a year. Um, But I mean, I love Arizona's system, but yeah, I mean, the, the Rays just have it all. I mean, they have close to the majors pitching, hitting, they have guys that are, bunch of years away with a ton of upside i mean they just any kind of prospect they've got multiple guys that fit the bill and uh they just continue to continue to load up while remaining a juggernaut at the big league level yeah it's uh kind of frustrating for a fan of any other team but they are kind of the the blueprint right now in terms of how to build things for the present and the future. And they just traded like a guy who was had some steam in past years, right? Ronaldo Hernandez, I think. Uh, yeah, uh, you know he's a guy that I probably overrated, but then sort of quickly uh, realized that I had him overrated and and lowered him uh, again. Um, Catcher who can hit a little bit, right? Yeah, I mean, kind of. He's got power. He's, I mean, he's definitely got power, but uh, I don't know if the hit tool really plays against upper-level pitching, and he's not a good defender. So, um, you know, he's kind of walking a fine line there where he's going to really need to access that power pretty regularly to, to be a, a big league catcher. It's just kind of crazy how, yeah, his stock was falling. Now that the Rays have traded him, it's like, all right, he's <laughs> – I don't mean that Ronaldo Hernandez, but you know, it is when the Rays trade you and your stock was already falling, it's uh it's not a great sign for your for your long term future. So Wander Franco is still the number one prospect in this organization, of course, and still your number one. Uh Randy Rosarena behind him, Josh Lowe, Carlos Colmenares, Luis Patino, I mean it just goes on and on. Vidal Brujan, Heriberto Hernandez, Shane McClanahan, who I kinda like as a you know, deep leagues, draft and hold type. Then Shane Boz, too. So, I mean, it just goes on and on. Seth Johnson, Xavier Edwards. Um, McClanahan versus Boz is pretty interesting. Uh, it sounds like, you know, I, I'd imagine after the hype Boz had at the Fall League a couple years ago that a lot of people would probably look at him as a long-term favorite to have over McClanahan. But you give McClanahan the slight edge long-term. Is that correct? Well, I think Boz is is maybe a closer. Um, that's like if like I don't think Boz is going to start, okay. uh, but I think he could be like a top five closer in the game. 
McClanahan, you know, on a per year basis, I think McClanahan just gets more innings than Boz. So that's, that's why I have McClanahan higher. Uh, but I'm not convinced that he is a true starter either. I think he's got a better chance to start than Boz. Uh, McClanahan could end up being just a supercharged version of Jalen Beeks, who just gets you four or five innings here and there and following an opener, maybe. Um, maybe sometimes he doesn't follow an opener. Uh, but he, I mean, he's just, he could be a really dynamic weapon in whatever role they think fits his skills best. And he's probably closer to the big, like, I think he, he probably spends more time in the majors this year than Boz. Uh, but if you just want to look at like my top 400 prospect rankings and try to find the next top five closer, I think Boz is a, as good a bet as anyone. And who else do you look down the list and say this guy is kind of the next big thing if there is one? You said they have guys who are ways off with upside. Who's kind of the standout among that group? So, I mean, he, there's dozens of guys, but uh, <laughs> I, I think Seth Johnson – is someone that I could see taking a massive step forward this year in the eyes of the public. Like I, I think uh, he, you know, he's a, a former shortstop. I've compared him a little bit to Josiah Gray in the past, just because of how quickly, like it's, it's really rare for guys to be converted from infielders to starting pitchers and for them to have, a lot of success with that conversion and be able to pick up a uh, change up and uh, pick up a breaking ball and all that stuff. And it, so like gray is kind of the archetype of a guy that did it very quickly and just made huge strides year after year. Uh, Seth Johnson, I think is kind of following down that path. I mean, he's got a better fastball than gray. I mean, he, he's uh, reportedly, I think touched tri- triple digits. He's at least kind of sitting in the mid nineties, um, really athletic, obviously as a former position player. Um, and then, and it sounds like his secondary stuff is taking up. So, I mean, it's, it's dicey because, you know, I, we just kind of highlighted why McClanahan and Boz aren't that exciting just because of the role they might be used in. And you, you can't really trust that any raised pitching prospect is going to be developed as a true starting pitcher. But I mean, if you want to just bet on a guy with a really high ceiling, uh, I think Johnson, he checks a lot of boxes for me. Very nice. And then Taj Bradley, another guy a little ways down, who it sounds like as some of these guys graduate and the the other names ahead of him clear out, he could be a big riser. Right. I mean, like Johnson's the type of guy where in sort of a normal-sized dynasty league, he's probably rostered. Uh, Bradley could still be out there. I mean, unless you're just in a really deep league or in a league with me, um, Bradley is probably available. Uh, very athletic, uh, the fastball, like he, he's a classic kind of high school projection arm where they just were kind of betting on more velocity coming. And I think it's coming along, uh, secondary pitches still kind of a work in progress with him. But uh, I mean, I love the body, love the delivery fastballs ticking up. So yeah, I think Bradley could take a leap as well. Very nice. Now, I said earlier that I kind of like McClanahan uh, for this year in drafting holds. Now, that enthusiasm has been tempered a little bit by Archer and, and Rich Hill, but those guys haven't had any trouble staying healthy or anything. But you actually – And Michael uh, Walker. Oh, yeah, Michael Walker too. No, no health Thanks. issues on that front. <laughs> um, but it sounds like your best bets for, 
for 2021, you're kind of looking elsewhere. Well, yeah, and these are like they they have. I mean, everyone knows about the Rays guys that you're drafting in redraft leagues, like the Razarena, obviously. Um, you know, we we've seen Patino already. I mean, we don't necessarily know how much value he's going to provide this year, but for draft and holds and just guys to kind of keep tabs on um, for maybe in season pickups. I think Josh Lowe is very intriguing because I kind of think he's already better than Kevin Kiermeyer, and he's sort of the heir apparent there in center field. And, you know, who knows when they decide to kind of make that switch. I, I, I think they, you know, Lowe could, could get platooned. He could sit against lefties, but, um, you know, he's got just really impressive, athleticism six four easy plus runner um you know he's a guy that could be a 25 25 type of guy really and it's just a matter of do the rays kind of ray him out of the at bats necessary to, to get there uh do they kind of turn things loose to him because i mean defensively he, he's really impressive as well uh and then taylor walls uh i really you know i've loved jason collette's um Full prediction series so far this year. I think Kim and I are in lockstep on a lot of those. And Taylor Walls, you know, everyone's kind of, I think, focused in on Wander Franco and Vidal Brujan as kind of those uh, middle infielders that could provide value this year. But Walls is is older than those two, and uh, I believe he's already on the forty man. Um, he's just kind of a classic Rays guy where he can play any position you ask him to, he's a good defender at shortstop. He can run a little, he, he can hit, he can work the count. Um, and you just, you have no idea how the playing time is going to break down with this team. Like they could just, you know, give nobody 500 plate appearances other than um, the obvious guys. But I, I think he's at least a name to kind of think about when an opening does pop up there. Yeah, I was Kind of taken aback when I saw Taylor Walls mentioned in Jason Klett's bold prediction series, just because he wasn't really on my redraft radar at all. But he makes a lot of good points. Kind of sounds like the second coming of Ben Zobrist in a way. Uh, younger, you know, decent Ben Zobrist. And then Josh Lowe, interesting too, because I think they would have wanted to trade. I mean, they probably would have liked to have traded Kevin Kiermeyer like yesterday. I mean, or yeah, two oh, months sure. ago, a year ago. Um, and they have I mean, other they, guys they, who could step in. I guess Margot could play center, but I bet they've talked to at least half the teams in baseball about uh, pawning off Kiermaier on them. Um, and I mean, it's probably really what it is is just like which which prospect do they have to attach for a team to take on his contract? Mm. Basically, uh, not that it, I think he's overpaid, but by Ray's standards, he's extremely overpaid. So. Yeah, they uh, made it very clear the- then. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> gotta get him off the book. They want to get him the hell off the books. Uh, yeah, Josh Lowe sounds like a really good like NL or AL only target. I might have to try to grab him in labor. Um, hopefully, nobody else in that league is listening. I'd like to sneak him through. Uh, let's finally move on to the Blue Jays, James. Uh, this team's getting good in a hurry and pretty exciting. Austin Martin, the top prospect uh, on your list here. Jordan Groshans. 
Nate Pearson, Simeon Woods Richardson, and Orelvis Martinez rounding out the top five. Uh, some interesting names behind them, too. Alec Manoa, Adam Kloffenstein, Alejandro Kirk, who I showed, uh, saw showed up a little beefy to spring training. But, hey, a beefy catcher, there's nothing wrong with that. Austin Martin uh, getting a camp invite. No real chance to, to crack the roster, really, in the first half. Would you say that? No. I, yeah, I mean, I agree. Um, I mean, first of all, Alejandro Kirk showing up beefy, like – does that mean like even more beefy than <laughs> beefier than the last time we saw? I just saw a Rob Silver tweet about it. I don't know. He was uh, wearing like a, a form fitting like uh, okay. Well, one of those like you shouldn't wear anything form. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was one uh, of those like uh, what do they call those uh, sweat? I forget what they call those shirts that are like uh, dry fit. Dry fit. Yes, thank you. He was wearing a dry fit, and it was maybe a size too small for Alejandro. Yeah, I mean that's a tough call if you're Alejandro because it's like you don't because he's really short, so you yeah. don't want to get like the XL and have it down to your knees or anything. <laughs> but you also, you know, you're in a tough spot there. So um, I actually do kind of like him as a second catcher, but I do too. Uh, I do yeah. too. Um, I forget where. Oh, you were asking about Austin Martin. Yeah, I mean, no, no chance. I mean, that's just kind of a he's one. He's our best prospect. So get him around the big leaguers i mean he was obviously at the alt side and impressed there i mean he's definitely on the fast track uh you know we're, we're worried about playing time for established big leaguers on that roster so i don't think we have to worry about uh them bringing in an everyday player from the minors uh early in the season but uh yeah, I mean, I love this system. I love the top of the system. Um, this is probably – I probably have the most exposure in my dynasty leagues to Blue Jays pitching prospects mm. than – you know, it's between Blue Jays and Royals pitching prospects in terms of uh, where I have the most shares. I mean, I just – I don't have any Nate Pearson, but I have just a ton of Woods Richardson, Manoa, Klopfenstein, um, and then – Julian Merriweather and Thomas Hatch. I mean, they're not necessarily like Hatch isn't even prospect eligible. I don't think anymore technically due to days on the active roster last year. And Merriweather's like 27 or something. But um, they, you know, I love those two guys as well. Very nice. And a guy just a little ways down the list, Manuel Beltre, uh, $2.6 million signing by the Jays in uh, February of 2021. Uh, Five foot eleven, hundred sixty-five pound frame, right-handed swinger. What can you tell us about the tools with Manuel Beltre? Yeah, so uh, among the teenagers, he was my fifth favorite guy from this past international signing class. Uh, doesn't have the type of speed or raw power that really get us excited about these international guys, but. He might have the best hit tool uh, from the entire class. He's probably had the most game reps in a competitive environment of, of anyone in that class. Um, he's just he he eat drinks sleeps baseball. He's um, just a guy that I'm betting on as kind of one of those guys who just hits at every level and eventually. Just kind of, I mean, he's, he's not unathletic, so I don't think he's going to be like a zero in the steals or 
and I don't, I don't think he's going to be like a 10 homer guy. So I think he just, the hit tool carries him. He eventually kind of grows into power and he'll have a little bit of speed as well. So the Blue Jays have a Guerrero. They have a Bichette. They have a Biggio. They have a Beltre and they have a Machado. Estevan Machado. Deep league sleeper Machado. Yeah. Not related to Manny, but, um, <laughs> I wasn't trying to imply that. I'm sorry. No, um, he's, yeah, I mean, he's a guy that in your really deep leagues is probably already rostered, um, sort of, sort of has a Ozzy Albies type of body and that's sort of the game that I'm sort of hoping for out of him as well. If, if that scares you off, I understand. I mean, it, you know, not, it's, it's rare for those guys to, to make it, but I mean, he's just a guy who's who's pretty pretty good at every aspect of the game, and um, I think he's going to put up impressive numbers in his debut this year. That's awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to talking more with you, James, on Farm Friday on SiriusXM, and we'll be back for two hours of more baseball talk on Saturday. And also, I had a good time with you on the Pull Hitter podcast uh, with Rob DiPietro. Uh, so if you want more of James and I, check out that podcast uh, that was fun talking with him, and he is the uh, was a draft champions champion that he yeah, yeah that's crazy. He took down like four thousand plus teams, and uh, yeah, I've been really enjoying his pod. So uh, check that out, and uh, yeah, anything else on your mind today, James? Um, no, I don't. I don't think so. I um, I can't keep it straight, man. I've got like so many podcasts lined up here next, yeah, yeah. next couple of weeks but um yeah i don't know i'll tweet out everything uh that i'm on and Make it uh, around. also oh also got a uh, todd whitestone and i are doing a uh online championship on thursday night oh, cool. uh, which i'm looking forward to uh that's going to be kind of a, a tune-up for the main event um Really Tuning excited up the for band. that. Tuning up the band for some yep, sweet yep. chin music. Making, making sure everything's singing. Um, but that'll, that'll be a lot of fun. I'll update you on what's going on in my latest DC since I know you're just pining for it. Yeah. Uh, picking 12th, I went Bauer, Mondesi, Gallon, Vlad Jr., Conforto, Glaber. So not a team that I think Rob Silver would approve of or – any logical person would really approve of it. But swinging for the fences. Swinging for I love the fences. it. I love I mean that's the type of that's the type of build you gotta do with uh with Mondesi. I mean that's that's the whole point, right? Is yeah. you get those steals on board and then you you solidify everything else. Yeah, I, not something I do in like a standalone home league, but I'm trying to follow in Rob's footsteps, Rob DiPietro, and, and win the uh draft champions overall. We'll see. Not a not a safe foundation, that's for sure. Thanks, James, for everything. Thank you all for joining us. Hope you'll do so again next week on the RotoWire Prospect Podcast.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.